your dirty, nasty, and controversial sports talk podcast for all things Detroit sports and sports worldwide. Here are your hosts, Tony, Joey, Frank, and Gerard, four lifelong friends born and raised in South Detroit. Jerry. Jerry, where you at, dude? I'm not seeing him here. I don't know what happened to him. He must have disappeared. Gerard! Jerry! Gerard. <laughs> Jerry! Welcome uh, to RSF, ladies and gentlemen. Gerard Preston has left the building. He's headed south to Nashville. He's running out of town. Frank's loving it. Um, and there's only one explanation. Frank, what, what, what happened? Left the building, Joe. He was never here, man. He left town a long time ago, man. He's uh, down in Tennessee. He was supposed to be here for this show. But I think due to the uh, the results of that game, man, he just wasn't going to show face. He's trying to let this this thing blow over. Um, what, what game? What game? I think the whole town knows what game, Joe. But uh, <laughs> That Spartans debacle? You know, Michigan State one of the most his em- alma mater. One of the most embarrassing losses ever. What, what I what I think is what I think is weird is Middle Tennessee was the team that beat MSU. So where does he run to? Middle Tennessee. Yeah, what? Who's, who's the seesaw <laughs> guy now? Hey, I haven't seen any seesaw reports. Of, Tennessee. <laughs> I haven't seen any reports of arson yet, so I think we're good. Yeah, he's burning yeah, a couch somewhere. No, Nashville. <laughs> he's celebrating with some friends, but we're, we're just we're just giving a lot of uh, a lot of crap this morning. Hey. I think we can all agree, though, for those who submitted brackets, Michigan State totally effed all of us. <laughs> and those of us, those of us who didn't submit a bracket just get to sit back and enjoy. Yeah, Mr. Yeah. Oh, I'm taking Seton Hall the whole way. Yeah, they lost in the first round, too. Don't worry about it. That's fine. That's fine. Well, Frank, you know, Frank, he has his, uh, he has his other little schools. He's mentioning uh, Arkansas Little Rock. Um, they won. They, they kind of screwed my bracket up a little bit here. Who, who, who else is a little school? Of course, Middle Tennessee. Uh, Wilmington. Stephen Northern F. Austin. Iowa. I think he had Stephen F. Austin, too, as one of his, like, dark horse picks. That they won. <laughs> Yale Stephen, won. Stephen F. Austin. I didn't even know what the SF stood for until we started, you know, before we started shooting. We had a little pre, pre-game convo. And, yeah, Stephen F. Austin screwed up my bracket royally. I had West Virginia going to the Final Four. So... Um, right, right now, March Madness is in full effect. It's it's maddening. As I'm looking at my bracket, I, I printed it out with all like the little lines that they use to cross me off and tell me I'm screwed up. And it's <laughs> it's pretty screwed up right now. Thanks a lot, Texas. Yeah, I was gonna say we can do a quick uh, recap of the RSF bracket here, which uh, couldn't wait to get into that, could you, Tony? Hey, I mean, Let we me did. Yes, you're in first. Yes, I am in first on wow. our, our show's bracket. What a shock! It's uh, myself, Jerry, and Frank, or Jerry and Joe. Frank did not participate, but uh, you know, I'm I'm not looking too bad here. I'm currently sitting in first, with 350 points. Jerry's in second with 310, and uh, Joe's sitting there in third with 280. I have the most possible points remaining as well, which. Bodes well for hopefully hey. me winning this, but you never know. I mean, right. I'm not a basketball guy. I'm not a basketball guy. I like kick Mark a man, man always down. A basketball guy. I, I didn't know anything about these damn teams <laughs> until we had the, the show last week. Oh. God, where's the hockey game at? Somebody turn the hockey game on. We'll get to the no. wings. Tony's just looking for another chance to brag. It's okay. Just beating. Up. I get oh, very few things to brag about, my Frank. That's Let true. me have my small victory. It's true. I will give you that. Hey, I'll, I'll, let me say this: I still have Oregon and Villanova. In the final four, they're still alive. 
they, they can just hang on. Villanova is, is just having their way with Iowa right now. Um, My dad's so, probably at home crying. Yeah, you know, and that, that happens. Um, so if, if I can keep at least two of them alive to the Final Four, I'll, I'll be a happy camper. But that might not happen with Oregon. I, I have a feeling Oklahoma might, might get there and take care of them. But. Yeah, because Pac-12 is looking pretty weak this year. Yeah. They have not fared good. well. Oregon, Oregon, Oregon looks good this year. They always have the, the new uniforms for every different game. I'm sure the, the basketball team, as many games as they play, they got probably like 50 uniforms, color combinations, but that might help. So, I mean, right right now, I mean, there, there's games happening right now. The, uh, the NCAA bracket, as always, is, uh, is a huge mystery. Uh, you never know what's going to happen. I'd, I, I'm really curious to see this, though. Because we had Michigan State going all the way, uh, because of how – Highly, you know, we thought of them to predict them of winning it all. So what does this say now for Middle Tennessee? I don't think it says very much. I, I think I they mean, played the game of their life. Joe. Yeah, they put they played out of their minds. There was a point where I was watching a little bit of the game, and they're just they're driving. There's a guy right in front of them, and they hit a ridiculous floater, and you're just like, okay, these guys can't miss right now. And that, that helped them, and now I think, you know, next round they're going to – Go back to being Middle Tennessee State. I mean, I did see some reports that people said they should have been ranked higher than a 15 seed from the beginning, but at the same time, Michigan State played horrible. They there was times when it was like they didn't even know what defense was, and it cost you. I mean, that's part of the. That's one of the reasons I love. Why I don't really watch basketball that much, but I always watch the NCAA tournament because. You never it's one of those things. It truly is you never know what's gonna happen. The lower seed can win. We had tons of lower seeds. Yale beat uh Baylor. You had Arkansas Little Rock University of Arkansas Little Rock beating Purdue. You okay. know Well I don't I don't want to get too far away from from the Michigan State game yet. I'm not I'm not done with Michigan State. So the thing is here is middle middle Tennessee State, uh community college here, they had the top three-point shooter in the country. So State had to have known that going into the game. And if State couldn't cover that guy shooting three-pointers, you know, just from, from everywhere, you know, over the arc, uh, what, do you, what makes you think Syracuse is going to do a better job? Is Syracuse the same team as Michigan State? Do you think Syracuse is, is better than State? Because I'll tell you what, it was 15-2 to in the first few minutes. I mean, they came out shooting and they did not miss. And that team seems to be built off their shooters. I, I agree with you, Joe, but I, I just don't think it really works that way. I mean, people are seeded with their – little as I know about basketball, I know the seeds are the seeds for a reason. And I I like how you asked what, what about Middle Tennessee State, but I think it's more – if you really want to get into it, I think it's more the question, what about Michigan State? I mean, is that acceptable? I mean, that was, uh, you know – Middle Tennessee State played the game of their life. Their three-point shooters were on. They were out hustling. They never – I don't think they ever even trailed in the game. But to get bounced like that – now, this is why I wish Gerard was here for this, but to get bounced like that in the first round to a number two seed being the 15, what does that say about Izzo and State itself? I, I don't think Middle Tennessee State's going to go on and win a national title. I, I can't even believe that we're talking about them in the first place, but it was an impressive win, but I just don't think it works that way. But I just think that's a really bad job on State's part, and I'm not sure. I think they're kind of getting let off the hook a little bit. Everyone's saying it's an upset, but I think there's more to it than that, man. You just, they were expected to win a national title and to get bounced on the first day. I mean, that's a slap in the face. That's a punch in the mouth. They, you know, they, there was another, there was another Michigan State team expected to go pretty far, 
and uh, they got bounced by an 11 seed. And that that team also went to the Final Four. Uh, I think by the, they went by the name of George Mason. So, hey, it's been done before. I'm I'm, I'm talking just from past experience here. Um, so you got Middle Tennessee State, State winning the next run. What's that? You got Middle Tennessee State beating Syracuse then? I think they might. I mean, why not? Good. They uh, beat State. Who knows? I mean, I wouldn't say Hughes is that great of a. Uh, Team, yeah, so I definitely think there is a possibility that they could win another one. I just, I mean, part of it I think is Michigan State came out. the ring. Michigan State came out thinking, thinking we're a 15 seed, or we're, or we're facing a 15, we're two, we should have been a one. All these people are predicting us. They built, they bought into their own hype a little bit, and it was, that was that, you know. They bought into their own hype, and they thought they were just going to walk out there, Middle Tennessee State was just going to roll over and die for him, and they didn't. They came out and they punched him in the mouth, and then they were shocked by that. And you kept seeing them come after him, and they did not know what to do. How about Izzo crying after the game, too? Man, wasn't that sweet. Sorry, State fans. <laughs> yeah, uh, it was. I mean, hey, if you're a State fan, that's tough, man. I, I, I've been in that position as a fan of other teams in any sport, but... It is what it is, man. It's embarrassing. It's a bad job on their part. And it's between them. A lot of those seniors too that got to you know live with that the rest of their you know their careers. Sucks, man. Sucks to suck. Sorry. The thing that's tough too with college sports is you can't like it's not like pro where you can go in the off season and you can make some moves. You can let some guys go. You can sign some guys. The draft, you know, you got the draft uh, to fill some needs and, and kind of like change things up for another run. You know, college, man. They, you know, what you got is what you got from your recruiting. And you can only try and recruit to, to kind of replace the guys that are leaving. But if you, if you got a senior-laden group that, that takes off in college basketball, if you got really good freshmen or sophomores that take off for the draft too, you just got to try and reload and, and hope to make a run, uh, not really the next year, but the year after that when, when they get a little older again. So, I mean, it's it's tough. I mean, you, when, you, when you look at it from a college basketball point of view, you're not really looking at bouncing back the next year. You're bouncing back two years from now. Yeah, I mean, it is one of those things where with uh, college basketball, it's it's not all college sports even. It's not like the professional level where you can sign a veteran free agent. You're not going to get that. All you're going to get is new recruits that are freshmen or maybe a JUCO transfer or something. Every now and then you'll see guys transfer, but at the Division One level, if you transfer, you still have to sit out a year before you're yeah. eligible. Yeah, I mean, one of the best examples I think was was Memphis back when they went uh, they went all the way to the national championship. I think with Derrick Rose, and uh, they had they um, had. A, I believe that was vacated under some uh, sanctions due to the fact that Derrick Rose's SAT sc- score was falsified for him to be able to even get into Memphis because John Calipari loves to uh, put his teams in trouble with NCAA and get Final Fours vacated. Either way, uh, <laughs> Memphis had a pretty good year with Derrick Rose as a freshman, and he was surrounded by a lot of seniors. And then, uh, I mean, just, just the best example I could come up with is um, he left after his freshman year. All those seniors took off, and, I mean, Memphis, I haven't seen them since. So um, that, I mean, that's how it works in college sports, too. You see, you see football teams, you, you lose half your starters, and then the next year, I mean, even, even though there's a lot of talent coming in as you know, freshmen and sophomores, they just haven't played. They don't have enough, enough snaps to, uh, to help you make that bounce back here. So, yeah, it is what it is, though. I mean, that's kind of the way college sports goes, and 
Well, we got uh, we got some more games left and more to talk about. We'll get that booty bracket coming as well back uh, back when next week's episode pops out. Yeah, so real quick on that, Frank, uh, since Jerry took off, I think uh, we should let the fans know that we all decided to take take a break this week on the booty bracket. Oh, good uh, call. Yes, yep, you do that. Take take uh, t- take care of some technical difficulties that was supposed to be up on the Facebook, so we apologize for that. Um, so once we get the booty bracket up, we'll get our we'll get our booty doctor back next week, and then uh, we'll, we'll reattack this uh, this next region. He's gonna need him. He's gonna need himself a week to get back, collect himself, get back together. I think he's just in disarray right now. I don't think he's still back. He's not even here for the show. So we'll, we'll get we'll get that posted as soon as we can. Yeah, he's he's in a corner right now, peeing in a mason jars. He's got nine inch nails. It's pretty <laughs> disgusting. Um. So hey, when we come back, guys, uh, we're gonna talk some Red Wings. Had a big week. Uh, started out. Uh, oh, I can't wait. Little, but then uh, there was a little bit of a turn. A little bit of a turn there. So. Um, when we get back, we'll talk about some Red Wings, RSF. Welcome back, RSF, on a beautiful Sunday afternoon, mid-March. Just got done talking a little college hoops, and now we move on to some hockey. As you all know, a big part of the show is based on the Red Wings, and we are approaching April, and we are in a playoff hunt, a battle. Um, right now, we stand three points in the playoffs with Philly creeping up on us, two games in hand. But um, I want to share a little story with our audience and our good friend, our dear friend Joey. He's got a little splaining to do, as they say. Um, we have a little group text. We have fun uh, throughout the week on the show, and it's called RSF in my phone. And I just want to read you guys a little excerpt from Joe last night as I was at work with no access to the game, only Yahoo Sports app on my phone. So here's Joe Krasik, and this is all in quotes until I say end. I just don't get it. Dropped another one in Florida. They just don't want it. It just stuck. It just sucks knowing they don't want it. They literally don't want to make the playoffs. I can't believe they collapsed. We were in the top three of the division all year and just let bleeping go. Holland is too much of a coward to make a move. Yellow mother bleeper. So I'm reading this at work with no access to the game. I'm thinking we lost. You know, it's over. So I'm checking my phone and I'm seeing it's 3-2. to two. We got a whole period of hockey left. And, you know, not to bring up the seesaw thing, but we'll get to that later. And I'm thinking the game's over. We lost right out of the playoffs. I'm sad. And then I realized the game's not over. And as we all know, the Wings end up coming back, and we beat Florida 5-3. to three. And then he's all happy. I would read more. There's a bunch of happy things that come after that, but it's okay. But um, the way to end it is we're still very much alive. It's very exciting. We're approaching April, and... Uh, Looks like we're going to have a decent shot at making the playoffs. I just want to let Joey explain himself for that excerpt, and we'll talk about anything we want to talk about with the Red Wings playoff picture and what's going to happen from here on out. Joe? So, let me start off by saying this. <laughs> when I first sent that text, uh, we were down 3-1. to one, Okay. And uh, it was not looking good. And, you know, Datsuk, the magic man, he scored with 11 seconds left in the period. I didn't even know he scored until I looked at my phone again. I was like, oh, the third, third's about to start, and I looked at it, and, you know, it's still intermission, and it was three to two, and I, you know, I looked to double check, I thought it was a typo, and, you know, and something, something was wrong with the electronics there, and, uh, no, you know, Dad, that's who brought him, brought him close, and, uh, and Larkin, you know, the kid, the kid from Waterford, uh, tied it up for us, so, um, uh, yeah, I mean, against a team like Florida, right now, Florida, Florida's been pretty hot lately, and it, 
fact that they're at home and they were they're up three to one, I was like, geez, another game we just cannot beat Florida. And uh, especially with Luongo and that, I, I just I thought they had a clamp on us. I mean, it's okay. Well, that, team, that team is pretty good this year. It's so. okay, Joe. I'm just saying. No. Got, it kind of explains am, our season a little bit, doesn't it? I, I am happy though. Well, that changes everything. So here, here's the deal: before before the Columbus game, or after the Philly game, um, well, let's start with the Philly game. So the Philly game, tough loss. Uh, I thought it was a pretty good move to bring up uh, Anthony Mantha. Get, get a little bit of a change in there. The guy's been tearing it up in the HL. He's a big dude. He creates space, um, and he, he, he plays. He's like he's he looks like he's moving slow, but he's a smooth skater. You're like, man, how's that guy moving? And then out of nowhere, he's he's either ahead of the player, or he's right there, and uh, and so he's he's kind of deceivingly fast. But anyways, ha- having him up um, opens up a lot of space, and you saw it a little bit in Philly. He, he creates some opportunities we couldn't close on, and then. Uh, and, of course, we lost there. So, after that game, um, you know, I guess experts, I don't know what else to call them, but uh, we're saying it, for us to make the playoffs, we realistically have to go 9-3 to finish out the year with 12 games remaining. So, that's before Columbus. So, if you look at it this way, we beat Columbus and we beat Florida, which are two huge wins. So, now we're looking at we have to maintain a 7-3 and record for the rest of the season to uh, possibly make the playoffs. And then we got some huge help from uh, from one of the most hated rivals we have, the, the, the Penguins. Um, they they smoke checked uh, Philadelphia yesterday as well, four to one. So with the, that little bit of help, we were able to gain three points of breathing room on Philly. And uh, right now the chances look a lot better. I mean, seven and three looks a lot more realistic than nine and three for the next uh, for the next month of hockey. So. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say, I mean, it looked like we came out against Philly, we were flat, and we just didn't want that game, and we let them take the early lead. It's the worst first period ever. Yeah. And then we turned around, we went to Columbus, and it was one of those where I think they finally had a sense of urgency in the game. They came out strong. They were only able to score one early on, but then they added those two later on to pretty much seal the game up. And they did give, give uh, they did give up a late one there, but they came out with the win in regulation, which is two huge points for them. Then against Florida, they got down, but they battled their way back and they got the win. And so now, I mean, we got to look at the week ahead coming up with some very important games for us. I mean, we're coming up on Tuesday. We're at Tampa Bay. Then Thursday. We're home against Montreal, and Saturday we're home again against Pittsburgh. That's a set of games there where we should definitely beat Montreal because they're playing horrible this year. A win against Pittsburgh would be huge because that kind of helps us stay closer to the teams that are at the bottom are also in the wild card hunt with us. And the Tampa Bay game, I mean, that's another one where you kind of want to look at that and you want to try and get a win because that's a team that we could eat, that we'll probably see in the playoffs if we make it out of the first round. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that right there means a playoff game. Well, the versus Tampa, I mean, that versus Tampa and Pittsburgh, those are two playoff games already. And then uh, the Montreal, that's, a, that's another trap game. So. Well, it looks like from looking at this, I, I can almost guarantee we're going to at least go four and one out of the next five. So that's in the bag, I think. Seriously, the way I, I got a good feeling about this one, but 
I think this, the whole Red Wings, this could go one of two ways, and it's almost a best-case and a worst-case scenario. You see a lot of the time these, these quiet teams that get hungry at the end, they come in hot, and I think that'd be the best case for us. We could just finish strong, go into the playoffs in a, in a triumphant way and just start, start tearing it up and just be a sleeper. And the worst case, man, is they could just they could really uh, they could blow it and and just not get in at all, as you guys kind of predicted a couple weeks back on the show, which I hope doesn't happen. But I really think they can start picking it up here and go go into the playoffs with some momentum. That's my that's my bold prediction. Yeah, I'd, we're we're due for one against Pittsburgh. We've got blown out against them twice this year. We can we're take at home them. this time against Pitt. They, they don't have Melkin. Um, we have got to we have got to take down Pittsburgh. Whether it's an overtime or regulation, I, I really don't care. Um, let's just get two points there. And the big thing I liked about the Columbus game this past week was, it to, I, I call them trap games. Um, most people call them trap games because they're out of it, but they're playing to kind of ruin everyone else's season. And so uh, the fact that we went in there and just, just dug deep and pulled out a win, we, we got to do the same in Montreal, man. I mean, Montreal's coming to Detroit. So, yeah, Montreal's coming to Detroit. Uh, Either way, we have well, we have Montreal twice, so we're gonna we're gonna play them at home, and then we're gonna go to Montreal. We we need to just absolutely not let those games slip. We we have a tendency to kind of play tight, real defensive games against Montreal, um, and there's, there's usually not much room out there. But we we've gotta we've gotta take them down in Tampa. I mean that that's a measuring stick right there. So they're they're definitely in. Um, you know that that's that's gonna be a measuring stick for us. So. If, if we could win these next three games, I mean, we're looking at, you know, a four and three to finish out the year, and that's, I mean, that's just, you know, once again, a lot more realistic and a lot, a lot easier to swallow um, finishing out the year. And then, like I mentioned before the show, uh, to finish out the year, we have the Rangers and, and the Bruins back to back those final two games, and those two teams are definitely going to make the playoff. Um, so they'll probably be resting, guys. So if we if we still need points, there's a good chance we can win those games um, with both teams sitting down a lot of starters. So would you – let me ask you this then. Having said all that, and this isn't me taking a shot at you. I'm just asking, would, would you like to change your prediction of the playoffs or would you like to keep it the same? Are you ready for that? You need some time? I think I need some time. I think 7-3 is still – Still a little bit ambitious, especially with the, the record, the schedule that we have at the end here. Because you have Minnesota in there. They're fighting for a playoff spot. And then you have, uh, like I said, Tampa, Pittsburgh, Montreal twice, all good teams. Uh, the one the one good thing we have going for us is, is we have a, a Buffalo game and a Toronto game. And I'd say, hey, yeah, let's, let's go ahead and play Toronto. Why not? But, I mean, geez, oh, Pete's, they uh, – they they just beat us one to nothing the other night. Not, I don't maybe that's like our, our stinker. We outplayed them. them that but, junk. I mean, gosh, I mean, you know, I was talking to my dad uh, during the week, especially after the Philly game. And I was you know I was telling him, man, like, man, there's something wrong with this team. You know, internally he goes, and, and he agreed, and he was saying, Here, here's the deal: they lost to Toronto, and Toronto brought nine rookies to Detroit. And we're, we're the ones fighting for a playoff spot. And they brought in nine rookies on their roster and beat us one nothing. I mean, that's that's something else. Um, maybe Bernier just had the night of his life. I don't know. But we, we definitely need to uh, make sure we stamp Buffalo and Toronto, you know, out of this world. Because if we, if we can't do that, then it's definitely not going to happen. But, um, yeah, that's one thing with looking at this schedule. You got Montreal twice, Buffalo and Toronto once each. 
those are four games that you should be able to pencil in as wins right now, and that's going to help us uh, with uh, going. I think you said it was seven and three over the next few games, because then only, then at that point, then you're looking at going three and three in the rest of the other six games we have. Yeah. So I'll, I'll say this, Frank. If by next Sunday, if we at least go two and one this week, with Buffalo coming up on Monday, by next Sunday show. Um, I'll I'll give you a better prediction. I'm gonna stick to what I'm gonna stick to my guns from last week. I'm still not very happy about our situation. Um, I still think we should have made a move at the deadline for somebody, you know, because because this is this is my thing all year. If we're gonna compete, let's compete. Let's get in the top three. Let's get a good. Let's get some home ice advantage here. Let's get something going and let, let's let's go win a Stanley Cup. But if if not, if we're just gonna if we're gonna you know dangle around the, the wild card, I mean, what what are we doing? You know, we're not going to have home ice advantage. We're, you know, we're going we're gonna to play the toughest team first. And, yeah, we knocked them out. You know, it's, it's that's a good deal. But, I mean, geez, oh, Pete, I mean, you got to help yourself out a little bit. Um, and it just, it just sucks knowing that we should be number two in the division. We've been, we've been sitting in that spot for the majority of the year. Um, yeah, so we'll see. If we, if we at least go two and one this week, I think I think we'll be in good shape, and I'll, I'll be I'll be considering changing my position. Um, that's, that's that's fair that's enough. Fair. That's fair enough. I'm gonna stick to my guns as well. And like I said in the last show, it's uh it's a lot to do with faith and just the Red Wings history in general. We've seen this kind of happen a few times before in the past. Still gonna say they're gonna make it, and I think they are stepping up a little bit. Even in that one to nothing loss, they I think they outplayed Toronto that you mentioned. Uh, I'm sticking to mine. I, I'm on the choo choo train for the playoffs, and it's gonna be uh, we're gonna be coming in hot. That's my opinion. I do. I do want to say one last thing, though. Shoot. I think Philly. We still got plenty of games left, especially Philly. I think they got about twelve games left. We have ten. Um, Philly had had gotten very, very hot for about ten or twelve games. For a team to stay hot for twelve more games, that's that's awfully tough to do. Um, they got a rookie defenseman who's playing out of his mind, but eventually, rookie mistakes do happen. And they got, you know, I, I don't know. Do they, do they do they lose steam now and, and you know kind of flake out the last twelve games, or do they keep it up? So I, I'm interested to see how Philly does. I'm hoping they lose a few to help us out. But like Luke Lindang said, you can't you can't just watch the television and hope other teams lose to to get you in. But uh, I'm really interested to see how Philly closes out the season as well. They got two more against Pittsburgh. Uh, I think they got a few other teams in their schedule that's going to make it tough. So. Um, it'll it'll be interesting to see what happens with them. Nice, I like that a Glenn Denning quote. First one ever on the show. That's beautiful. He's, he's played good the last couple of games. He got two goals, and he's been a big part. He, he is. He is. He is. So, well, cool. So it looks like we're uh, we're on the on the right path here as far as the Red Wings go. We'll see. Time will yeah. tell. It's very little time too. I'm excited. The big big April in the D coming up. Big April in the D. Alrighty. Well, hey, when we come back, we're gonna talk. Uh, we're gonna talk a little bit of Adam LaRoche, yeah, baseball player for the White Sox. Uh, interesting topic here. Not something we normally talk about, but uh, kind, of, kind of like a family, a family-filled uh, type topic here. So we'll, we'll see what we come up with when we come back. Yes. All right, and we're back. And next up, we're gonna be talking about the Adam LaRoche situation out in uh, Chicago. Well, right now they're down in Florida for spring training, but uh, Adam LaRoche is the designated hitter for the Chicago White Sox, and he retired this year, leaving 
$13 million on the table due to a disagreement with uh, the ownership of the White Sox about how much time his son was spending in the clubhouse. And, I mean, it's one of those things where the team looks like a lot of them are supporting him. They almost boycotted their spring one spring training game this past week uh, to show support for him. Chris Sale, who is their all-star pitcher, has come out and said two men were arguing in the clubhouse. One of them walked out, and it was the wrong man that walked out, meaning that he's saying it shouldn't have been Adam LaRoche leaving. It should have been uh, the vice president, Kenny Williams, leaving the organization. Wow. So, holy cow, I didn't know it was that, that intense. Uh, do you want to go first, Joe, or do you want to tell go? Yeah, so, I mean, well, so so what do you want, my, like, opinion on the whole thing? Like, should he should have his kid around in the clubhouse? I mean, yeah. You can take I, it I, any I think, way you want to go. I think he should. I don't, I don't, I don't know if this should start a whole team uprise, though. I mean, the, the team wants to, you know, do all this stuff. I mean, come on, man, just go play baseball. It ain't your kid. It ain't your. It isn't your problem. You know, you're getting paid a few million dollars to uh, to do your job. Just go do your job. Let let them worry about it. Um, I don't, I don't know why. Like everyone has to just resort to let's all go on strike and, and not work and and all this anymore these days. But that, that's a topic for a different day. The, the, the thing, the thing is this. Pro athletes, uh, especially baseball players, do not get too much time with their families. Uh, they're they're always on the road. You know, they go to spring training. Um, I, I understand if you got like a young family, they'll, they'll, they'll put the family up in housing down down south. But uh, you know, say like you got a, you got an older family. You know, you're like one of the veteran guys, and your your kids in school and whatnot. Um, I can't imagine you could pull them out of school for a month to uh, to, to bring them down to spring training. Uh, in in March and April and whatnot. So, um, well, you know, I mean, Adam Rocha's son, Adam Rocha's yeah. son was with him because they were homeschooling him. Oh, so, so they're homeschooling him. So, so in his case, yeah, well, why not? You know, let him yeah. let him come around the dugout. Let him let him hang out with his dad. Uh, I, I mean, I don't see what the issue is. I mean, um, it, it's it's tough. I mean, I, I can see. I could probably see where in a, in a in a sense that the organization was trying to um, keep the players focused and trying to have, probably have like some close practices and stuff. I, I don't, I don't know the whole story. I don't know their side of it, but uh, the, the fact that there, there's gotta be something going on to where if he, he can't have his kid around, he's willing to retire because of this. Um, then, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think the White Sox should have just allowed it and that it had been done for, but now, now the guys retired and they're out they're without a DH I think he has like thirteen million dollars. He's leaving on the table. Um, yeah, yeah, and yeah. I yeah. agree with you uh, on a lot of things that you just said. First of all, I agree with you that I don't know how this became such a big deal. I mean, when this story came out, it blew up, and I'm not sure if it has something to do with just how much not much was going on in the sports world, but it went pretty crazy. Everyone was talking about it, and I also agree with you that there's more going on with it, man. And I also agree with you that you know they don't get to spend a lot of time with their families, and you compared it to the military in our pre show talk. But, um, yeah, man, I mean, what could be going on? It's just a kid, and they act like the locker room's like, you know, some some gang or, like, some some area where all these terrible things go on. It's a bad environment for the kid and bad for everybody. I just don't think that's the case unless there's something else out there that I don't know. Um, from all I've heard, you know, you're going to hear worse things on a school bus or a playground than you would in a, in a locker room in there. You know, a lot of those guys are just looking to have fun, play catch with the kids, and, 
and do stuff like that and just have it be activities. I don't think that the kids should be in there, per se, every single game. Uh, maybe just certain games or afternoon games, things like that. But I don't really see the big problem. But even if so, either way, if the kid's in there or not, I don't see how someone takes $13 million and just flips the bird to it and says, I'm not going to do this. And if you got that much money, I think it says that athletes are getting either too much or just, I mean, things are getting out of control if that's the case. If you're just talking about $13 million like it's $13 with no zeros on the end of it, that's just insane to me. And especially with baseball, I understand they're away from their families a lot and all that, but... I mean, you can go a lot of different ways with this, but as far as the kid in there, I would just let him do it, you know, especially if the guy's producing. I, I think he actually, one of the things they said was he wasn't, uh, you know, hitting the ball as much. And when he was Yeah, I think a lot, he only hit like 208 last year, so. Yeah, his production level was diminishing, and that had maybe had something to do with the correlation of the kid, you know, not being allowed in there anymore, which is a whole other thing. Like I said, there's many routes you can go with this, but overall, I think the kid should be allowed in there. It happens all the time. You mentioned Tony mentioned Griffey Jr., Fielder, all grown up in there, and they turned out okay. So I think that's it. But there's a lot of avenues to take with this, and um, they've all been covered. And this, this happened, you know, last week. But you know, I don't know. I'm with you on a lot of things. So just just kind of thinking for a second, though, I, I almost kind of had like a I don't know if I call it an epiphany, but um, I, I just thought of something. You know, what I bring my kid to work with me in the job that I have now, heck no. Um, <laughs> yeah, the, uh, professional sports you know, are completely the, different, though. Yeah, I mean, it's still a bunch of grown men who uh, are very driven and, you know, all alpha types. I mean, they play to win at the professional level. Um, you know, I, I guess one thing that comes to mind is the language that's used and the things that you talk about when you're, when you're just with a group of guys. I mean, it's a different setting, you know. When you're, when you're with just a bunch of group of guys, all alpha types who uh, – we're doing their thing. They're practicing hard. They they want to win. Um, you know, kind of in a similar way to the job I have now. Uh, group group of guys, just you know, get frustrated every day. There's always something going on that you got to correct, and and you, you got to work harder for success. Uh, you know, do I do I want my kid around seeing that that side of me and that 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 side of the job? I think that's something that he needs to learn and figure out when he becomes a man and gets off on his own and. And learn to deal with, and you know, you obviously come back to you know, his father for advice, like I like I have you know a million times. But um, it, it, to me, it's just one of those things where, I guess, on the flip side of the coin, is do you do you want the kid around seeing all this stuff, and is he a distraction? Um, I, I could tell you if I if I had a fourteen year old, thirteen year old kid around the office, uh, he would he would definitely take up some time for me. Um, to, to make sure that he was he was all right he was doing okay um, so yeah I, I don't know that, that that's that to me that's the flip side of the coin you know what I mean is is you know is he is he is he there working is he there working part of the team is he like the bat boy or something for the team and he just happens to be the player's kid or is or is he uh, or, or is this guy you know LaRoche kind of at the tail end of his career and he's trying to just enjoy baseball last year and then the White Sox are over here trying to trying to win a you know the damn the damn thing. So I, I don't know. I, I think you can you can look at it from that point too. The management side, like, listen, we need you to come to practice, hundred percent of your time. We we want to win some games here. We haven't been good in a while, and uh, and you're bringing your kid around, and you think this is a damn carnival. So there, there's that side of the part. There's there's all that that whole side of the story too. Um, 
Wow. I guess I just want to throw that out there. I thought I was the one that got called soft on this show. But uh, no, I'm kidding, Joe. I'm just teasing. You come from a good upbringing. You're a good good man with morals, and I, I, I can see that side of it. But like I said, man, I don't know if these locker rooms are so bad like that. And you say the things – I mean, they – Think about it. how old is the kid? Fourteen. He's fourteen, and you got guys on the team who are twenty-one, twenty-two years yeah, old. Yeah, I mean he's he's raised by millionaires. I think he's hearing this kind of like language you mentioned and stuff like that. I it's guess. Not just the language. It's, I guess. Yeah, I he's it's seen focus, it though, man. bro. That's, it's, that's it's the focus. They're they're win. They're they're to win baseball games, and they're getting paid millions of dollars to do it. And if the kid, I maybe guess. the kid has been a distraction. Maybe they think this guy, you know, LaRoche needs to focus on baseball. When he goes home, he can go home and be with his family. And that, that sounds a little ruthless, uh, especially from the points we brought up first about him needing to spend time with his family. But uh, I don't know. I, you got you to gotta look at the flip side of the coin every time, I think. So. Well, he must not need the money, that's for sure. Well, yeah, I, I mean, not. he's 36 years old. He's been playing in the majors for a while now. He's definitely earned a fair share of money already. So it's one of those things where I think it's – you know, I've seen a report that he had it in his contract or he had some verbal agreement with management that his kid could be around him as much as he wanted. And it's one of those things where, I mean, that's also been said kind of by Chris Sales that, you know, management basically bald-faced lied to them about it. A lot of guys in the clubhouse called uh, LaRoche's son their 26th man because there's only 25 players on the roster, because he was always there. They gave him his own jersey, everything like that. I mean, it seemed like he was well-liked, and then there was a few players who had an issue with it, went to management, and management went, well, we got a couple guys who I'm guessing are probably some of their uh, better-performing players, and they went, well, some of our better-performing players don't like this, so we're going to, you know, say try and put a stop to it, where... At the same time, if LaRoche last year had hit 300 with 40 home runs, management would look at the people complaining and been like, oh, yeah, this guy's better than you, so you can shut up and get out of my office right now. And, it's, uh, you know, what have you done for me lately? And lately he hasn't performed, so the team, I think, felt they could, where they would just say it, he'd be say, oh, whatever, I'm just so glad I have a job, 36 years old in baseball. And... Instead, he said, you know what, I want my son around, we had an agreement, and if you don't want it, then uh, I'll see, I'm going to retire. It seems like what, what happened. But, yeah. yeah, if it's in the contract, then that, okay, no, yeah, no I mean, that way. I mean, there's already, you got to follow the contract. Yeah, I've already seen reports that uh, the unions, the players union is going to file a grievance over this, so that'll definitely be interesting to see what happens there. Which, I mean, I could see where, especially with the team being in such support of Adam LaRoche, depending on who these players were that went to the management, you could possibly see the White Sox here in the next month or two making a couple trades that seem a little out of the blue or odd for them to make. But that's kind of what happens in sports, where you'll see these trades that just are kind of come out of the blue, and you're saying, wait, how did this guy suddenly get traded? And then... After the season, usually then you'll hear the reports that, oh, this guy was traded because of an issue in the clubhouse. A perfect example is uh, a few years ago, the Detroit Tigers, they traded Avisael Garcia out of nowhere. This guy was young, up-and-coming outfielder. He's expected you know, to be a big star in the majors. People on the team were calling him Little Miggy. 
because he looked a little bit like Miguel Cabrera, and he had and he was a great bat in the lineup and everything like yeah, that. They call him up in the playoffs. Yeah, and then all of a sudden he's just gone, like out of nowhere. He's traded, and there's reports that uh, Miguel Cabrera injured his groin. Well, after the season, come to find out, like we all had also heard that Prince Fielder was in the process of getting a divorce. Well, turns out the reason Prince Fielder was looking to get a divorce was Evasel Garcia was sleeping with his wife. And that was what led to Evasel Garcia getting traded. And the reason Cabrera got hurt was Fielder went after Garcia in the locker room and Cabrera stepped in between them. I mean, that's the reports that had come out right after the season. And that was how. And then Fielder kind of shoved him out of the way to keep going after Garcia, and Cabrera hurt his groin. And, I mean, that's one of those things where you saw us quickly trade Garcia that season, and then at the end of the year, we were trading Fielder away. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's pretty incredible what happens sometimes. But, uh, you know, I think uh, – I think hopefully you know that the, the players do the right thing. Hopefully management do the right thing with the situation. Um, yeah. You know, LaRoche sounds like he's had a long career in baseball, so hopefully everything works out for him. Yeah. Uh, yeah, about enough of that, boys. So we'll, when we come back, we'll, uh, we'll we'll close right out with one last uh, one last quick topic, and then we'll, uh, we'll 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 tell you who pays the bills, as Frank likes to say, and uh, we'll see you next week after that. So Let's put a ball we'll be right back, RSF. All right, RSF, we're back. We're wrapping things up. We got a little uh, extra time on our hands due to the lack of booty in our booty bracket today, but um, we're going to get that next week. But we wanted to talk, have a little fun and talk about the Spurs. Um, if you guys listen regularly, um, we did make some predictions a couple weeks back as to whether or not the Golden State Warriors would um, accomplish the feat of either tying or breaking the record of 73 wins in a regular season. Um, that day we did have a divided show. Gerard and myself said no, they would not uh, break the record, and Tony and Joe said yes, they would. Right now, it's not over for them yet, but it's it's not looking good. Um, they're at seven losses right now, and they can only afford two more. Two more losses. Two more losses, and uh, yeah, it's not looking good, but they're still a great team, but we just kind of wanted to reflect on that and talk about them a little bit, and we also might have a possible... Shout out to the San Antonio Spurs, who surprisingly, quietly, are only a couple games behind the said Warriors. Three so, games behind. Three games behind the Warriors. So we just talk a little basketball and talk about those predictions and uh, see what the fellows here have to say, wrapping things up. Yeah, well, the, I mean, the Spurs uh, just pulled, with it, pulled themselves from four games to within three games of the Warriors by beating the Warriors. Uh, San Antonio was at home. So... All of Golden State losses this year are on the road, just like San Antonio's. Uh, San Antonio set a record, though, for most uh, home wins, consecutive home wins. They're 35-0 and on the season at home. Golden State, though, is looking pretty good as well. They're at 32-0 at home right now. So, like we said, they're, uh, they have seven losses. They have 62 wins. And since they play 82 games, that means they still got 13 more games left to play. So you're looking at another four games on the road for Golden State and another nine games at home. So it's going to be those road games. That seems to be where they're losing is on the road. They did drop a few that were surprising, such as they lost one earlier this season to the Pistons that everybody expected them to win. 
And it's one where, at the same time when there's been all this talk about them and the record, I mean, San Antonio clearly isn't going to get the record this year, but they're only three games behind them. And then Oklahoma City, who's sitting in third place in the Western Conference, is 11 and a half games behind San Antonio. So the, these two teams are just what, head and shoulders above everybody else in the Western Conference and in the league, really. Joe, are you alive? Speaking of the Pistons, they are one game out from a playoff spot. They're being the eighth seed. Mm, yeah, so, them in Chicago are kind of battling for that last spot right now. And the I mean, the Pacers aren't that far ahead. I mean, they have the same amount of wins. Um, when it comes down to it, uh, it looks like we could we could easily overtake you know both teams if we, if we just stay steady. Yeah. Um, but anyway, sorry, I, you mentioned the Pistons there. Uh, I, I had a look. So um, Golden State, I mean, they they definitely need to uh, they need definitely need to crank it up. I mean, they got they got a couple games of breathing room. I mean, all year they they've gone on those streaks where they've probably you know won ten games and lost one. So um, definitely still a huge chance. I mean, they can afford to have uh, two more losses, correct? Yes. So with sixty one wins, they got to get to seventy three. With two more losses allowed in, the, in that in that time frame, I think it's very doable still for uh, Golden State, especially at this juncture um, and the way they played all year. San Antonio definitely played pretty good defense on them last night. I think you saw a very uncharacteristic uh, game out of out of Steph Curry. That was their focus was to challenge him at the three point line and where he's at his best. And uh, you know, Golden State stuck to their plan. They they, uh, they they didn't really try to you know drive drive the lane or anything. And I think. Near the end there, they, they just kind of got worn down. Um, but I think, uh, I, don't, I don't know where the next game is at, either, either Golden State or San Antonio, but, um, I mean, that, that, that's going to be their team to beat is, is the Spurs in the West um, if they're, if they're going to go back to the final um, against whoever it is, Cleveland or whoever comes out of the East. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they, they better, they're 1-1 one one on them. Um, so that, that, that's, that's what they have staying in front of them. They play them two more times before the end of the year, so. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, if you if you want to, I can give you a quick rundown of uh, what Golden State's schedule is left. They got uh, Minnesota. So how, many, how many more wins do they need? They need 12, right? Or 11? They need 11 more wins. They need to go 11 and 2 out of their final 13 games. Okay. Tough to do at this juncture. So they're at Minnesota, the Timberwolves. Win. Home against the Clippers. Ooh, Possible tough. loss. But they haven't lost at home all year. Uh, statistics. They're home against Dallas. Home against uh, Philadelphia. Win. Home against Washington. Win. Win. At the Jazz. Win. Home against Boston. Win. Home against Portland. Win. Home against Minnesota. Win. Home against San Antonio. Maybe. Only because only they blew out San Antonio at home earlier in the season. So I'm going to say 60-40. Warriors. Warriors. All right, then they're at Memphis. Win. At San Antonio. Uh, that probably be one of their losses. And then home against Memphis. 
Uh, home against Memphis, win. So, out of all those games, you have uh, maybe for home against San Antonio, a loss at San Antonio, and a maybe against the Clippers. Against the Clippers. Yeah, so, I mean... And you also got to take in just life in general, because the, the easy wins we said, I mean, you never know. I mean, that's a lot of games. Well, well the thing is, too, is it's it's been a... Iguodala is about to come back, so that's going to help. So once yeah. they get him back, that, that's they another weapon that we have to worry about. There's still a chance. I mean, if they, if they have him, too, against the Spurs, I mean, that, that changes things as well. they got to worry about him now. Who's going to cover Iguodala? He, he's, a, he's a pretty tough player, so... Yeah, he's one of their uh, kind of more important players, so it's definitely going to be interesting. We'll be and keeping track of that throughout yeah. the, the remainder of the year. It's just a little fun thing we do on the side, one of our little hobbies. Well, I mean, it's because you're looking at a shot in history. It's like, I'm not really a horse racing fan, but when uh, the After one... The triple Crown. Yeah, when the Triple Crown, I was watching that race to see if he won it, and he did. Nice. You know, I, it's kind of like, for me, I always want to see, like, sports history when I can. Because that's one of those things where, when you look back, you know, when we're in our 50s and 60s and all the amazing sports feats that happened in our lifetime, you know, you kind of want to be able to say you saw a few of them. Yeah. By, by then, football will be gone. Um, oh, yeah, probably. I agree. I just, I'm not a fan of Seth Curry. We'll talk about that another day, but I, yeah. I hope they lose. You not a fan of Seth Curry? No. Not really. I don't like What's Steph Curry? I don't like him. Every college player apparently thinks they can play like him now. If you watch the tournament, they're just hitting those, they just stand there, dribble the the shot clock down to five seconds, and jack up a long three that they break. That's their problem. That's a coach's problem. (laughs) Teach those kids how to play basketball. This guy, this guy can hit the three from wherever he wants. That, that's, uh, that's his skill. Why, why wouldn't he? Why wouldn't he? I know. I'm just saying there's so many players now. It's like you're watching them and you're like, you're not Steph Curry. Stop thinking you are. Drive the lane and try and get a basket there. Or at least don't take a contested three from five well, feet beyond the arc. Well, think of this logic. The NFL has turned into such a huge passing league over the years, like progressively through the 80s and then through the 90s and now through the 2000s. I mean, there's a lot. There's so much more passing, especially with, you know, more spread out offenses. And then uh, now, now look at basketball. Better three-point shooters. You get more bang for your buck shooting at the three-point. So, uh if you can if you can make your money there instead of driving the lane and getting worn down against uh, you know tougher teams and and do that you know yeah that's the way I look at it I agree yeah it's one of those things where also in the NFL though it's become a passing league just because of the rule changes where you can't even touch a receiver pretty much anymore you're getting flagged for PI yeah. I mean that's I mean that well, I mean football I mean that's a totally different thing you actually have contact and everything so I mean that like that that sports is slowly dying I, I was just having a conversation the other day with a couple of buddies and uh buddy has a, a baby due uh, in about a month and a half here and he's he's questioning whether he wants his kid to play football at all uh, because of like all the developments and all you know the big hoopla in sports right now you know against football and it's 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 a valid point. I mean, just all the, all the brain trauma you can get from playing the sport, no matter what you do, no matter how good the helmets are, um, it, it's becoming a reality. Reality, and it's becoming common talk. I mean, just between anybody is, is 
we all love football. I mean, this, this guy, he played quarterback in high school. He he loves football. He, he's a big UT fan. He um, He's a Seahawks fan. He, he, he watches football every Sunday with his wife. Um, but, you know, both, both of them being huge football fans are, are questioning whether or not they want their boy to play. So it, it's interesting. Yeah, I have a strong opinion on that. I just wish I had more energy to give it. We'll to, maybe we can make that a topic one day. Yeah, maybe let's uh let's talk about that next week. Let's leave, let's leave the fans with something. Uh, a little strip tease. I want to hear from the fans too this week. I want to hear their their comments about uh, football and, and whether or not they think uh, where, where they think the sport is going with all these new developments. Look at that. I like that. Nice strip tease. <laughs> <laughs> also, we're going to have the booty bracket when we're talking about striptease. We've got the booty bracket coming back next week. All kinds of action. When we have uh, our resident bootologist, Dr. Booty, Gerard Preston, back in the house with us. Yeah, hopefully he's recovered by then. Yeah, <laughs> we, get the, we get the wild boy back next week. We'll get the sounds. We'll get all the hoopla, the bells and whistles. It's going to be it's gonna be crazy next week. This week was kind of a, uh, kind of a down week, um, you know, with all the hype and March Madness, um, I think. I think, I think we need April to come around. There's going to be a lot going on in April. So. April and the D is always a good time. I think uh, we did that reading of Joe's text, depressing text during the Wings game. I think we need to read the messages uh, Jerry was sending us during that state game. Yeah, that's what I was going to say to you guys. We're not letting him off the hook for this. I know this is going to have about a week to breathe for Gerard, but when he comes back, he's gonna, we're going to not let that go. He's going to be hearing about this. Oh, absolutely. If i got to come out of the show and face the music about the Red Wings... This guy's gonna come on and face the music about state basketball, so that that's the way it's gonna be. I am I'm a total fan of that uh, of that idea. Good job, Tony. Um, and Frank, you just be ready with the uh, with the quotes. All right. I'll, I'll be more than ready. But yeah, <laughs> good show, boys. It's a pleasure as always. Tony's gonna pay some bills for us as he does so eloquently. Well, thank you for that uh, little compliment there, Frank. But I just wanna. As always, say thank you for downloading, listening, and subscribing to our show. You can follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Revolutionary Sports Front, or just search Revolutionary Sports Front. You can listen to the show on iTunes and Stitcher, subscribe to us there, leave us a review, let us know how you think we're doing. You can leave comments on our Facebook page to let us know how we're doing, you know, let us know what you like, what you don't like. I'm going to get on Jerry's case to try and get him to get those pictures for the booty bracket up on our Facebook page so you can look at them there. Give us your opinions as well. Uh, we're on Twitter, which is RSF Podcast. So twitter.com slash RSF Podcast. You can find the show at, or at uh, revolutionarysportsfront.com. And also you can email us at revolutionarysportsfront at gmail.com to let us know what you think of the show there. So thank you for downloading, listening, and subscribing, and thank you for being a part of the sports revolution. And if you like us, let your friends know so they can listen to us too. Adios.